Welcome to the One God Report podcast. This is Bill Schlegel. In this episode, we continue our interview with Troy Salinger. Is the Memra the pre-incarnate Son of God? Before we get back to the discussion about the Memra, one quick announcement. Recently, my wife and I were at the Minnesota Churches of God Spring Conference, where I gave a five-session exposition of John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, calling it, Jesus is the beginning of God's new creation. If you're interested in seeing the videos of those sessions, I made a playlist and I'll put a link in the show notes. Now, back to our discussion with Troy Salinger about the Memra. I think it would be beneficial to listen to the previous episode, if you haven't yet, where Troy discusses the meaning of the Aramaic word Memra and what the motivation is for those who believe in the deity of Christ to try and find some evidence of a multi-personal deity in a Jewish context and not just in a Greek context. And in that earlier episode, Troy explained what memra really means and the misinformation that's out and around about this claim and how memra is not used in the Aramaic Targums. It's not a substitute for the Hebrew word devar. There's a totally different word in Aramaic that's used to translate the Hebrew word devar. So in this episode, Troy will bring us through to look at specifically some of these Old Testament biblical passages where folks like Michael Heiser are seeing a second divine figure who is supposedly Yahweh, but not totally Yahweh. He's a second Yahweh. So let's look at some of those passages. All right. So I think if we go and we look at some specific passages. So we go to uh, Genesis 15. Okay. This is one that is typically brought up by apologists when they're trying to present this case for the memory. Genesis 15, verse 1. After this, the word of Yahweh came to Abraham in a vision, saying, okay, and then we get what follows. Okay, so this is taken to mean, and what apologists will usually say is, see, what we have here is the word of Yahweh came to Abraham. The word of Yahweh is an actual entity, a person. He came to Abraham. And we know it's an actual entity, they'll say, because of what it says in the following text. Like in verse 5, it says, And he took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars. They say, Well, see, if he took Abraham outside of the tent and told him to look up at the stars, there must be an actual entity there, an actual being. And that being is the word of Yahweh, someone who is distinct from Yahweh, yet he is in some way one with Yahweh. And again, this is extrapolated to mean that this is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God. But what they fail to see in this passage is that in verse 1 it says, After this, the word of Yahweh came to Abraham in a vision. And this is very important. Let me just touch briefly on this idea of how God communicates to people, okay, Mm -hmm. the prophets in the Old Testament. There are various ways that God communicated to people, but whenever we come across a text in Scripture where it says God spoke to somebody, but it doesn't specify 
what medium God used, whether it was God spoke through a vision, through a dream, through an angel, through a prophet, sometimes through an audible voice. If the text does not specify in what sense God communicated, it's always safe, I think, to assume that it was in a vision or a dream. And the reason I say that is because of a passage in the, the book of Numbers, Numbers 12. This is an incident where Aaron and Miriam were grumbling against Moses. And God comes down in a cloud, a pillar of cloud at the tent of meeting, and he calls Miriam and Aaron to come to him. And he says this, listen to my words. When a prophet of Yahweh is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. Okay, so I think we can assume from this that the primary method God uses to communicate to his prophets is visions and dreams. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other methods and those will be specified sometimes in a, in a text. But I, all I'm saying is when a text doesn't specify what medium God is using to communicate, it's, I think it's safe to assume, based on Numbers 12, that it's a uh, vision or a dream. But in, in this uh, Genesis 15 text, we don't even have to assume it because it says it outright in the text, right? It says that the word of Yahweh came to Abraham in a vision. Okay, so... What is happening here is that Abraham is in a vision state of mind. And we can know, we don't really have time to get into this in this podcast, but just to say briefly, we know from scripture that when a person is having a vision, he's not really seeing anything with his physical eyes. It's all mental. It's mental imagery, things that are being played out in the mind. In the New Testament, we get this idea that a couple of times in the book of Acts, when somebody's having a vision, Luke uses a word that's usually translated into English as they go into a trance. So you're in a different state of mind when you're having a vision. What appears to happen when you're having a vision is that you lose sense of all that is actually around you physically. And you're just like you're seeing yourself in another world, in another context. Daniel says he had a vision and he saw himself standing at the river. So Daniel sees himself in a vision. It's like he's watching a movie and he's part of the movie. He's mm -hmm. one of the actors that are in the movie. That's how a vision is like. OK, so here it says the word of Yahweh came to Abraham in a vision. So what I assume from this is that Yahweh in the vision has appeared to him in the form of a, of a man, probably. And he's having a conversation with Abraham, but it's not really happening. There's no real person standing there in the tent with Abraham. Mm -hmm. But in the vision, Abraham is having a vision and he sees a person in the vision. This person is representing Yahweh. Yahweh in the vision takes him outside of the tent, tells him to look up at the sky. And he's communicating all these things to him in the vision. So the best way uh, to understand verse 1 of Genesis 15, which should be the obvious way, is just this. After this, Yahweh communicated to Abraham in a vision. That's the way we should understand that. When the phrase, the word of Yahweh, came to Abraham in a vision, it just simply means Yahweh has communicated something to Abraham 
the medium he used was a vision. You have any questions on that? Well, not necessarily a question, but let me reemphasize the Aramaic Targum of this does not have the word Memra. It's exactly. got Fidgama. Right. Oh. And actually, in the phrase used in the Targums for the word of Yahweh, many of them, is Pitgama Nubia, which means a word of prophecy. Uh -huh. A lot of these places in the Bible where you get the phrase, the word of Yahweh came to Samuel, uh, Jeremiah, many times in Jeremiah. In the Targums, it's Pitgama Nubia, a word of prophecy from before the Lord. Is how it says it in the targets. So right there is showing you that there's no connection to the member in any of these passages. But mm. this is what this is the impression that the apologists who use this as a proof of either the Trinity, the deed of Christ, or the pre-existence of Christ. This is the impression that they give that these Old Testament passages, which speak of the word of the Lord coming to somebody has a direct connection to the memory of the target. Mm. It's false. It's a false yeah. idea. I want to go back to the Genesis 15 passage. One interesting thing that needs to be noted in that passage. Okay, so it starts out in verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And then God speaks to Abraham. Then Abraham answers him, says something back. And then in verse 4, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. And then there's another message from God. So my question to the people that are promoting this idea, if in verse one, it says, when it says the word of Yahweh came to him, that it was an actual entity that came to him. Why is that repeated in verse four? Wouldn't that entity already be there? Why is he coming again in verse four? There's no change. It's the same occurrence that Abraham is having this vision. What this shows is that the phrase, the word of Yahweh came to him, is meaning that Yahweh communicated to him. Yep. Because you can have that happen numerous times in one event, right? In one event, you can have God communicating something to someone. Mm. And that can be expressed numerous times in the same event as the word of the Lord came yeah. to him. Yep. Okay. So we can go to many passages and say the same thing. The word of the Lord came to Samuel in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, here's something interesting that never gets mentioned by these people that promote this idea. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 3 real quick. Mm -hmm. And we see verse 1, uh, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of Yahweh was rare there were not many visions. Mm -hmm. Is that saying that the appearance of an entity called the word of Yahweh was rare? No. What it's saying is communication from God to men was rare in those days. Why? Because there were not many visions. Mm -hmm. Again, we see that visions was probably the main way God communicated to people. Mm -hmm. All this is saying is that the communication of God to men was rare in those days because there was not many visions. Mm -hmm. We go further down. God calls Samuel and he says, here am I. Samuel runs to Eli and says, you called me? And he says, no. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know Yahweh, for the word of Yahweh had not yet been revealed to him. Again, this is not saying that this personal entity called the word of Yahweh had not yet appeared to Samuel. 
is saying God had not yet up to this point ever communicated his word to Samuel. This was the first time Samuel was, was experienced a communication from Yahweh. Personally, I think every time he heard the voice of Yahweh, I think he was sleeping when he heard it. Of course, he thought it, he thought it was real, right? When you're having a vision, you think it's real. Sometimes you might not even, a person might not even realize. In fact, in the book of Acts, when Peter is in prison and he's released by the angel from prison, Luke tells us that once Peter was outside of the prison, Luke says, then Peter realized that what the angel did was actually happening. Mm -hmm. And Luke says, because Peter thought he was having a vision. So mm -hmm. Peter thought he was that whole, the whole time he thought he was having a vision. He didn't know it was actually occurring, but it wasn't until he was outside of the prison that he realized this is not a vision. This is actually actually took place. Mm -hmm. OK, so that just goes to show that when a person's having a vision, they don't always know it's not a real event. Right. Mm. So we go to chapter four in first Samuel. This is what I wanted you to see in chapter four. Mm -hmm. It says this. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now, you have here the exact phrase that's used in all those occurrences where the word of Yahweh came to somebody. Here we have the word of Samuel came to all Israel. What this shows is that the expression, the word came to somebody, is simply denoting the fact that somebody has communicated something to somebody else. So the word of Yahweh came to Abraham simply means that Yahweh communicated something to Abraham. The word of Samuel came to all Israel simply means Samuel communicated something to all Israel. This should be evident and obvious, but again, like I said, once people get this idea locked into their mind, it's hard to divest themselves of it, mm. no matter how much evidence they're shown to the mm. contrary. Mm. Now, I think one of the greatest ways to show that the phrase, the word of Yahweh came to somebody is referring to verbal communication. And it's not referring to a personal entity. Besides the fact that we already have said that this phrase, the word of Yahweh, has no connection to the member of the Targums because the word in the Targums used for this phrase is pitgama instead of member. Mm -hmm. We have that all of the top experts in Targumic studies deny that the member is a personal entity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And on top of that, we have what I've already shown in these couple of passages, that the better way to understand the word of Yahweh came to somebody is just that Yahweh verbally communicated something to somebody, whether that was in a vision, a dream, or some other way. Now, to further establish that point, the best place to go is the book of Jeremiah, because you get the phrase, the word of Yahweh came to me many times in the book of Jeremiah. But you get these other phrases, too, which are substituted for that phrase that clearly show that it's not a personal entity that's coming to Jeremiah, but it's some form of verbal communication. 
probably and sometimes it's obvious that he's having a vision. Let's let's go to Jeremiah and see. Great. So we go to Jeremiah chapter one. All right. So verse four says the word of Yahweh came to me saying. And then Yahweh tells him something, communicates something to him. And then mm-hmm. we go on. Uh, Jeremiah responds in verse six. The Lord speaks again. Then he says, but the Lord said to me. Okay, simply here, the Lord said to me, and then he tells us what God said. But then we look at verse 9, and it says, And the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me. So we get people like Dr. Michael Heiser. In my article, I give a quote from him. He was on a podcast uh, discussing this passage with somebody, and I, I give his words verbatim in my article. But basically what he says was, he says, see, the word of the Lord is an actual personal entity because he reaches out his hand and touches him. And this is supposed to seal the deal here. Mm. This is proof absolute that the word of Yahweh is a personal entity. Uh, No, not not really. So we go down further. Verse 11 says the word of the Lord came to me. Now, again, I'll say, like I said, with the Genesis passage, if the word of the Lord was already there, why is Jeremiah saying again, the word of the Lord came to me? Mm. He's already there. If it's a personal being, this, again, shows that the communication of Yahweh here is verbal and that the phrase denotes a verbal communication. Then what's going on here? Then what God tells him, he says, what do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah says, I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Then in verse 13, the word of the Lord came to me again. How can that be a personal being if he's already there? We already got three times in one event that the word of the Lord came to him. He's going back and forth. Right. (laughs) He's going back and forth. He needs to zip back and forth from heaven to here. He's got to take care of some other business and come back again. All right. What this is showing us basically is that the phrase, the word of Yahweh came to me, is simply meaning Yahweh communicated something to me again. Mm-hmm. And so verse 13, the word of the Yahweh came to me again. What do you see? I see a boiling pot tilting away from the north. What's going on here? Does Jeremiah really see a literal almond branch from an almond tree? Does he literally see with his physical eyes a boiling pot tilting away from the north? Like, okay, so Jeremiah is standing there wherever he is, and he's getting this communication from God, and he sees this almond branch, and he sees this boiling pot. Does this mean like if somebody were to pass by where Jeremiah is at that moment, would they see these things too? No. Are these things physically there? Are they are they like hanging in midair physically? Like you can go up and touch that branch? Like anybody that's walking by could see this and could go up and touch the branch or touch the, the boiling pot? No. I think that would be uh, absurd to, to reach that conclusion. Uh, what is happening here without it stating it point blank, Jeremiah is having a vision. Again, this is the main way God communicates to his prophets is through visions. 
even when the text doesn't say it's a vision, like in this text in Jeremiah, it doesn't specify it's a vision, but he's seeing things. He's experiencing things. See, this is, and this is what you see in the quote from uh, Michael Heiser. Michael Heiser, you know, harps on this idea that Jeremiah is having a tactile experience. Well, yes and no. Yes, in a vision, it seems real to Jeremiah. Jeremiah might be able to reach out and touch that almond branch, and it might feel like he's really touching something. But it's not really happening in real physical, literal sense. It's all happening in his mind. It's a vision. Jeremiah is in a trance state. He's having a vision. And in this vision, Yahweh must have appeared to him in human form. And that's why it says in verse 9, Yahweh reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me. So that's all that's going on here. Jeremiah is having a vision. In the vision, Yahweh touches him, and Yahweh keeps communicating a message to him throughout the vision. This is why we get the repeated phrase, the word of the Lord came to me again. Mm -hmm. Now, as we go through Jeremiah, you see that he begins to substitute other phrases for the phrase, the word of Yahweh came to me. In this Instance here, like I said in verse seven, it simply says, Yahweh said to me. Again, later down in verse 12, Yahweh said to me. Verse 14, Yahweh said to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then this pattern just keeps repeating in that whole pericope there. So this is strong evidence that the two phrases are synonymous. The phrase, the word of Yahweh came to me, is best to be understood as simply a verbal communication and not a, a physical, visible phenomenon, unless it's occurring within a vision in which people will see things in a vision. Mm -hmm. All right, so we go further, like to chapter 7, verse 1. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh. Okay. The mm -hmm. word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh. So here it's a little different in the Hebrew, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the exact same phrase. Mm -hmm. And this phrasing helps us to see better that it's a verbal communication rather than some kind of a physical, personal being that shows up on the scene. Mm -hmm. You get the same thing in chapter 11, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh. So we can see there's a similarity between the two phrases, but there's enough distinction there to throw light on the meaning of the first phrase, the word of Yahweh came to me. This becomes even clearer. Go over to chapter 14, verse 1, and it says, this is the word of Yahweh to Jeremiah concerning the drought. So mm -hmm. not only do we get that it's the word of Yahweh to Jeremiah, but we actually get what the word is about, okay? It's concerning the drought. Then he gives a message concerning a drought. Mm -hmm. This, again, shows plainly that what is being shown here is that this is a verbal communication that is being given to Jeremiah. Chapter 13 really gives a good example of how we should understand this phrase. So if we go to chapter 13 in Jeremiah... First one says, this is what Yahweh said to me. And then he tells him to go buy a, a linen belt. 
And uh, verse two says, he went and bought the belt as Yahweh directed me. Then in verse three, it says, then the word of the Lord or the word of Yahweh came to me a second time. Okay, so what we get from this is that when he says the word of Yahweh came to me a second time, the only reason he's saying a second time is because he's referring back to verse one, where mm -hmm. he says, this is what Yahweh said to me. All right, so Yahweh said something to him, and then he went and acted on it. And then at some later time, the word of Yahweh came to me a second time. Mm -hmm. Again, what this is showing is that the word of Yahweh coming to him is simply some means of verbal communication. Again, we don't know if it, it doesn't specify if it was a vision or a dream or some other form of communication. But there's no reason to inject into this phrase that it was a personal being that came to Jeremiah. The two phrases, this is what Yahweh said to me and the word of Yahweh came to me, are synonymous. So they're being used synonymous in this, in this connection. You go down further in the verse eight of that same chapter, then the word of Yahweh came to me. These phrases are being used over and over again. One phrase will be used and another phrase will be used and back to the other phrase. So if you go throughout the rest of the book of Jeremiah, you get the different phrases and see how they're used interchangeably. Like 16.1 says the word of Yahweh came to me. But in 17.19 says, this is what Yahweh said to me. 18.1 says, the word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh. 19.1 says, this is what Yahweh says. 21.1 has the word that came to Jeremiah from Yahweh. 22.1 says, this is what Yahweh says. So we, we can see there's just an, an interchanging of the phrases. You get in... Chapter 46, 1 and 47, 1, you get this phrase. This is the word of Yahweh that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nations. That's in 46, 1. Mm -hmm. In 47, 1, this is the word of Yahweh that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the Philistines. So these two phrases here clearly show that what is being communicated in the text is that a message was being communicated to Jeremiah. That message was concerning the nations. Another message was concerning the Philistines. Mm -hmm. There's no need. I mean, if one wants to read a personal entity into here, then uh, they could certainly do that. But there's no need to do so. There's nothing in the text itself that necessitates that interpretation of the text. But there is plenty, as we're going through Jeremiah, to show that these phrases are just interchangeable with the other phrases that Jeremiah uses, which simply denote that Yahweh is speaking to him, communicating a message to him. Troy, let me interrupt you for a second. So are these passages in Jeremiah the kind of passages that a guy like Michael Heiser is using to say, oh, here is a second divine figure. Oh, yes. Uh, anytime the phrase, the word of Yahweh came to the prophet, that is interpreted that it was a personal being. And of course, yeah, that personal being is then extrapolated to be uh, the pre-incarnate son of God. Yes. I, I hate to say this, but these people are desperate. And also yeah. in, in the Targums, in none of the cases is this the, 
the Memra. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, I don't even know if uh, many of the people who are promoting this are even aware of that fact. They're not. I'll guarantee you, know? you they're not. No, because because they probably never really researched it out themselves. You know, they heard this, whether through Michael Heiser or directly or indirectly by somebody who heard it from Michael Heiser. Mm. They hear this. Man, this this is seems to be coming from a scholarly source. And, and it seems to be a good evidence and proof of the Trinity, the deity of Christ, or the pre-existence of Christ, and they just run with it. They don't research it to see. And as I showed earlier on the jmac.net website, how they not only run with it, but they even expand upon it and say things that cannot be substantiated in any sense from the actual data if you do the research. It's one of those things it's, it's hard to deal with and it's hard to talk someone out of this. No matter how much evidence you show them, they just, they just don't seem to either understand what you're saying or they're just not willing to lose what they think is a, a really firm evidence uh, for these doctrines of the deity of Christ, mm. the existence of Christ. Let me say this too, Troy. The fact that modern scholarship or a guy like Michael Heiser not all the scholars, as you've seen, the real Aramaic scholars say this is kind of a silly idea that the memra is somehow a second divine hypostasis. Another person, just say it, it's another person that goes against the first commandment. Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. He's not two. But the fact that these guys have to go to kind of this esoteric evidence to find some other God in these passages. They won't say it's another God. They'll say it's another person within God. It's actually evidence that the Bible doesn't say such a thing. It's obvious that these things are not in the New Testament. It's coming from people who apparently think that Jesus forgot to tell us that, hey, I was that divine hypostasis back there, the word of Yahweh that appeared to Abraham in Genesis. I was the person that appeared to Jeremiah. And they got to go to all this twisted, really lies, right? It's presenting a bunch of lies about what the Memra is in the Targums. And they got to present all these lies to try and find a second God figure back there in the Old Testament. And as I noted earlier, the, the motivation behind it is, and this is a development within Christianity, probably within the last century, to try to ground all of these doctrines of Christianity in a Hebraic context, right? A Jewish context. Mm. They see the importance of that because they want to move away from the idea that these doctrines of the Trinity and pre-existence of Christ developed out of the influence of Greek ideas and thought that was brought into the church by the early church fathers. Because that's you know, the truth. Get out from that's under the truth. that. Yes, yep. that, that is the truth. Yes. So there's been this push to find in Jewish sources, ancient Jewish sources, this idea that Jews would have thought of God as multiple hypostases, multiple persons. And this whole idea of the memory is just one aspect of that. But it falls flat. When you really examine it, you do the research, you look at the Targums, you look at what the Targumic scholars say. The people who know the literature 
better than anybody else. The whole argument, the whole case falls flat. Mm. But, you know, again, it's like beating a dead horse sometimes. I would also say, Troy, that's true. But I think if you would just ask the average, quote unquote, Christian in the pew, can you read Genesis 15, 1 for me? And he says, oh, yeah, the word of Yahweh came to Abraham in a vision saying, is that a second person? No, that's like silly. You've got to have some scholarly guy that comes and twists this and twists that and takes this long circuitous route to come and tell you, no, there's actually a second person there. It's the Memra of the Aramaic Targums. Come on, people. Any farmer in the field or any plumber in the city can tell you there's not a second person in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It's the word of Yahweh that came to Abraham in a vision. Right. I've been a Christian for 41 years. I was a Trinitarian for 35. When I read those passages, it never once occurred to me to think that that was a personal being or entity. Not one time. And like I said, I had never even heard of that concept when I was a Trinitarian. But it is gaining steam. It is trickling down more to the, to the lay people in the, in the pews. And we can counter it. Sure. I think the lack of any, of any mention of this at all within the New Testament should be devastating to the whole premise. I mean, the closest thing you get is John 1.1 with, with the Logos. And there are some scholars, even Togumi scholars, who think that John was drawing on the memory, but expanded it and did something a little different with it. But that's debatable. There's no way that they can prove that. That's just their opinion. They say that. And there are other Togomic scholars who say that the member had nothing to do with John's thought about the Logos. So all of that's just a matter of opinion. There's no clear statement anywhere in the New Testament that associates the word of Yahweh in the Hebrew Bible with a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Mm. The whole thing is nonsense. Troy, let me just say thanks for all the research you've done on it. It's very enlightening. I think it can help a common person like me understand this better and to have a little bit of a red flag wave around when a Dr. Michael Heiser or Dr. Michael Brown say, oh, the Memra was a second person in the Old Testament. And this is what the Jews of the time of Jesus believe. Uh, hold on a second. Are you sure about that? So thanks again, Troy, for all the effort and blessings. Well, let's be in touch. We got to get you back on the One God Report podcast again sometime. Thank you for having me. I know we talked about doing this a while back, and I I was really looking forward to it. So I'm glad we finally got to it. Thank you. Amen. Thanks. All right, brother. Sure. The New Testament describes two powers in heaven. One is Almighty God. Two is the man, Christ Jesus who has been raised from the dead and exalted to God's right hand and given authority over God's creation. Imagine that, a man at God's right hand. The humble will hear and rejoice.